Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. This is where you can call in and get on the air, ask your Bible question, make a Bible comment, even have some friendly discussion. We don't claim to be, uh, be infallible like the Pope claims. We can be wrong if we teach anything different from what the Bible says. So when we have a Bible discussion, I'm not going to be the decider of who's right. The Bible is. Let me mention again the website, BibleCrossfire.com. There you can go and ask me a Bible question over email. You can listen to old programs, sign up for a or work a correspondence course, uh, learn the Bible via the Internet. Uh, you can request a, a free uh, phone Bible study. I can I can study with you sometime when it's convenient for you. Via the phone, you can go to BibleCrossFire.com and ask for that. I thought what we do while we're waiting on our first calls, we would look at Colossians 2, 11 through 17. So if, you, if you're in a position where you could turn in your Bible to Colossians 2, 11 through 17, do that and look at these verses with me. I'll be reading from the King James Version. Verse 11 says, <clears throat> In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Paul's making an analogy here. You have the physical circumcision, the cutting off of the foreskin back in the Old Testament. Now you have the cutting off of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This circumcision is done without hands. It's talking about Instead of cutting off the foreskin, it's talking about cutting off the sins, our sins. You see, it's talking about the forgiveness of sins, verse 13, having forgiven you all trespasses. So the analogy is in the Old Testament, physical circumcision done with hands, the cutting off of the foreskin. Now in the New Testament, it's the forgiveness of sins, the cutting off of sins. Call the circumcision because there's a similarity there in that your sins are cut off. Now, verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. This is not saying that baptism is New Testament circumcision. No, the New Testament circumcision is made without hands. This is saying that the circumcision without hands is the cutting off of sins, the forgiveness of sins, but that occurs at baptism. So water baptism is not the New Testament circumcision. Water baptism is not the cutting off of the sins. Baptism is when your sins are cut off. The circumcision of the New Testament occurs when you're buried with him by baptism. Then you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. We can tell from this passage that baptism should be a burial. It says buried with him in baptism. It's supposed to picture the burial and resurrection of Christ. You're risen with Christ when you come up out of that water. When you're baptized, God forgives you of your sins. When you're baptized, he cuts off all of your sins. Forgiveness of your sins takes place in the mind of God. But it occurs when you're baptized according to this. Read it for yourself. Verse 11 talks about this New Testament circumcision, the cutting off of our sins. 
Verse 13 talks about being made alive when our sins are forgiven. Verse 12 tells exactly when that occurs, when you're baptized. And that's why Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You're, you're not saved from your sins at the moment you believe. You're saved from your sins after you believe, when you're baptized, according to Mark 16, 16, and according to Colossians 2, 11 through 13, which teaches that at baptism is when God cuts off your sins. It's when he forgives you of your sins. Now, baptism, again, baptism is not New Testament circumcision. We're not saying that. Baptism is when New Testament circumcision takes place. The New Testament circumcision is the cutting off of sins, the forgiveness of our sins. That occurs when you're baptized. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call, 877-655-6755. Then let's start reading in verse 14. It's talking about Jesus here. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So here we're talking about some ordinances. Ordinance, that's, that, that comes from the word ordain. Like if you have a city ordinance, that would be a law ordained by the city. Maybe the city council, the mayor, whoever. These are ordinances. These are laws ordained by God. And it says, Jesus blotted them out, took them out of the way, and nailed them to his cross. Some people think, well, if there's ever a law put into place by God, it's got to go on to the end of time. No. Here's some ordinances, some laws, or laws ordained by God. But Jesus, when he came and blotted them out, took them out of the way, and nailed them to the cross. Doesn't sound like whatever those ordinances are, it doesn't sound like we still have to keep them, does it? No, not if Jesus nailed them to the cross, not if he blotted them out, not if he took them out of the way. Now, this passage not only tells you that these Old Testament laws are no longer binding, it tells you exactly when the Old Testament laws stop being binding, at the cross. The main thing we think about Jesus doing on the cross is he paid for our sins. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins, and that's true. But another thing he did at the cross was... He nailed this, these ordinances, these Old Testament ordinances to the cross. He blotted them out. He took them out of the way so that they're no longer binding. Now, knowing that the Old Testament law is no longer binding, but was binding until Jesus dies, that brings up an interesting question. You know, the Bible teaches that Jesus lived, tempted just like we are, but lived his whole 33 years without even one sin. To me, that's the greatest accomplishment in the history of the world. What law did Jesus obey perfectly? The Old Testament law or the New Testament law? Well, according to this, it would have been the Old Testament law because the Old Testament law was still binding until Jesus died on the cross. So while he was alive, the Old Testament law was still binding. I mean, he had to live just like any other Jew. Remember, his parents had him circumcised and everything else. Bill from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, so hey, I had a question for you when you were talking about uh, forgiveness of sins at, at baptism. And so I have a question about nursing yeah. home ministries. Someone elderly realizes someone that you've been sharing the gospel with, 
they come to trust Jesus and then they die before they're baptized, does that mean they're not saved? Well, let me ask you a question, Bill. Bear with me now. I have a reason for asking this question. In Romans 10, verse 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, Bill, thinking about that verse, suppose a person in the nursing home believes in Jesus, but they die before they have a chance to believe in the resurrection of Christ. They hadn't been taught that far. They've been taught Jesus is the son of God, but they haven't been taught about the resurrection and they haven't. So they haven't believed in the resurrection of Christ and they haven't confessed with their mouth, the Lord Jesus. They just didn't get a chance to do so. They died before that happened. Would they be saved or lost, Bill? You'd say they'd be saved because they believed in Jesus, even though they didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ and even though they didn't confess Christ? Well, I would, my situation would be that while we're given the gospel in the nursing home, we're, we're, we, we talk about the resurrection of Christ and how without that, we would have no hope. Yeah, but, but what if you hadn't gotten to that so, point yet? You have to teach Jesus existed and that he was a savior and that he was, he was the son of God first. Then you get around to the resurrection, but you hadn't gotten to that yet. So they haven't believed, they believe in Jesus with their whole heart, but they haven't believed in the resurrection yet. And they haven't confessed with their mouth, the Lord Jesus. Bill, would they be saved or lost? So for instance, my question was, if they heard the message of the resurrection and they confessed their sins and they confessed that Jesus is Lord and then they weren't baptized, are they unsaved or unforgiven? so what if they believed in the resurrection, but they haven't confessed Jesus as Lord yet? Would they be saved or lost, Bill? Verse 9, Romans 10, 9. Well, Can you just go ahead and answer my question, and then you'll have the answer to your question. If they believe in Jesus, but they haven't had time to confess Christ, according to Romans 10, 9, they wouldn't be saved. Because it says you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in that heart that God had raised him from the dead to be saved. Right. So if you if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't believed in the resurrection, or you haven't confessed Jesus, that he's the son of God, maybe you died before you got to that point, then you would be lost according to that verse. Right, Bill? In that, yeah. In that, in that verse, with that train of thought, yes, uh if they didn't confess and believe in the resurrection, I guess my question is that you would be unable to be saved and forgiven of your sins unless you were baptized. And that was the question that I had. Yes. And unless you believe in the resurrection of Christ, unless you believe in the resurrection of Christ and unless you confess Christ and unless you repent of your sins, Acts 2.38, unless you be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, you're not going to get the remission of sins. If if that word for, if you look how many times he uses that word for in context, it's because of. Well, in Acts 2.38, Bill, it couldn't be because of, because he says, 
this is this is the word ice or ace in the Greek. In Acts 2.38, he's telling believers, now, if a person is saved simply based upon belief, <laughs> why would he tell them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins? It can't mean because of, Bill, because that would mean that you, it not only says to be baptized for the remission of sins, it says to repent for the remission of sins. So if that means because of, that would mean that you repent because you've already received the remission of your sins. That would mean you're, what, what you, you're saved first and then you repent. Is that the way you think, yeah. Bill, that you're saved first, uh, then you repent? Well, I don't think you can repent of your sins without the Holy Spirit. Well, no, well, now this when verse you, says, when you, you say got, re, when you say repent, are you are you talking? I know I'm a sinner. That if that person you're talking to, I know I'm a sinner. Or are you talking about a person who stops sinning immediately? Which we know Paul explains that he couldn't. But no, it's, it's, it's involved in knowing that you're a sinner, but it also you make up your mind you're going to change your life in regard to sin. But, Bill, let's talk about yes. something you just said. You said a person can't repent without the Holy Spirit, but this says, repent and be, it not only says to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, it says repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So you don't get the Holy Spirit. Bill, hold on, if you don't mind. According to verse 38, if you're looking at it, you don't get the Holy Spirit or the remission of sins until you repent and until you're baptized. It says repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you, that's um, uh, so. so I'm, what I'm, I'm not at a place where I have the scriptures with me, but can yeah. you tell me what that? Uh, what I guess it would be the Greek or Hebrew word uh, uh, for four was it's ace. E I S. It's the Greek word ace. And how do you and spell it, that? It always it always points forward, Bill. Never. It never means because of it. Never points backwards. It's always translated into words like for, unto, to, toward. It always points forward. And we know it can't mean because of here, Bill, because it says it not only says to be baptized for the remission of sins, it says to repent for the remission of sins. And everybody agrees that you have to repent in order to get the remission of sins. You don't. You don't repent because you already have the remission of sin. That doesn't make any sense at all. So we know ace can't mean because of here. It has to mean in order to. You, everybody understands that you repent in order to get the remission of sins. So that defines for us what this word for or ace in the Greek means. That would also mean that you be baptized in order to get the remission of sins. And let me reiterate a point, Bill. It not only says to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, it says repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So until you repent, until you get baptized, you don't get the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going back to your original question. The person, if Jesus says, he that believeth and is baptized in Mark 16, 16, that would mean if a person believes, but he's not baptized, that would if, if that means he's not saved. If he's saved, then that means Jesus is a liar in Mark 16, 16, because he says, you got to believe and be baptized to be saved. Bill, you don't want to call Jesus a liar. I know you don't, right? No, no. Well, then, I, then it's I'm obvious. Then about, it's obvious. I'm concerned about the elderly people that we've yeah. we shut out from during COVID who 
um, we were teaching and reading Bible verses too and trying to lead them to Christ. And, uh, and then as soon as they believe, as soon as they believe and repent, to get baptized. no, no, they do have the ability. Bill, as soon as they believe and repent, baptize them. If you believe what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, you will baptize them. If you don't baptize them right then, that means you don't believe what Jesus says, that they have to be baptized to be saved. The issue would be a 93-year-old person. You're not going to be able to submerge them, and you're not going to sprinkle them. So, No, absolutely. If they're 93 years old and they believe and repent, you submerge them. You immerse them because they have to do that to be saved. And everybody who believes what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16 will immerse them right then. They will not wait, no matter how old they are, because they don't want to take a chance on those people being lost. Now, if you go back to my original text, Bill, Colossians 2, 11 says you're circumcised, meaning you're, God cuts off the sins of the flesh. Verse 13, he defines that again by saying you're quick and are made alive, forgiving you all trespasses. And right smack in the middle between 11 and 13 is verse 12, buried with him in baptism. So that shows, Bill, the exact moment that God cuts off your sins, that he forgives you of your trespasses. It's when you're buried with him in baptism. All these verses are so clear, Bill. Pam from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I'm, I'm, I'm confused because when you're talking about baptism, are you talking about water baptism? Absolutely, water baptism. That's, okay, so that's when, where you're buried. With... The, okay, so when the thief on the cross said to Jesus, "I believe," and Jesus said that his faith, that by his faith he would see, he would be with him in paradise that very day, he wasn't baptized in water. Right. You remember one of the original texts we started out with on this program, verse fourteen. We were talking about Colossians two blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to to us, took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. And we made the point that the Old Testament law was nailed to the cross. That's what Colossians 2.14 is talking about, which means that the Old Testament law was still in effect until Jesus died. That means the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve weren't baptized, for the same reason Moses and Abraham and Noah weren't baptized. The law that they lived under never required baptism, never even talked about baptism. Baptism is strictly a New Testament ordinance. Baptism was not required until Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where Peter told believers to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Does that answer your question, Pam? I understand your, your line of reasoning, but I still have trouble reconciling how... What about people with physical limitations that prevent them from participating in water baptism? I remember this story of a, I have a friend who had a, maybe an uncle or a cousin who was in the hospital on his deathbed. And my friend taught him the gospel. This is a close friend. And that person, the true gospel, I'm talking about the one where Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Not the gospel that says all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to be saved. That false thing. Taught him what Jesus said. The guy wanted to be baptized. They didn't really want to do it in the hospital. So my friend took him out of the hospital, 
went and baptized him, brought him back to the hospital. So if you really believe what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, and you don't, I know you don't, you don't want to call him a liar. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You'll go ahead and baptize him. So let me continue reading Colossians 2, verse 15 through 17. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. So these ordinances that Jesus took out of the way and blotted out and nailed to the cross include the daily, the meat and the drink, Old Testament ordinances, the yearly, the holy days, the monthly, the new moon, and the Sabbath, the weekly. These are just the sampling of, of the laws in the Old Testament that were nailed to the cross. That Old Testament law, all of it, was nailed to the cross, and we're under the New Testament law exclusively today. Randy from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I was just listening to your question, uh, the question on the last caller, and my concern about baptism and a uh, person being forgiven. What about the thief on the cross who uh, uh, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in, in paradise? He let let me read. Now. Yeah, let me read. He, I've just talked about that with the previous caller. But let me read Hebrews nine fifteen through 17. It says, and for this cause, he, talking about Christ, is the meteor of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also, of necessity, be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So there's an analogy here being made, Randy. When somebody dies, when my pa my parents wrote their will in the 1970s, left everything they had to my, me and my three brothers. But that will didn't go into effect until both of my parents passed away, 2001 and 2010. So a will or a last will and testament doesn't go into effect <clears throat> until after the death of the testator. The testator here is Jesus Christ. This New Testament law that requires water baptism to be saved, Randy, didn't go into effect until after Jesus died on the first day of Pentecost. That was many days after the thief died. The thief lived under the Old Testament law. You don't read about water baptism in the Old Testament law. Does that answer your question, Randy? Well, it does. It just, just concerns me, as the last caller did, about uh, uh, individuals being witnessed to but never had the opportunity to get baptized. So you can see our concern. Well, think about this concern. If Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and people are saying, no, you don't have to be baptized to be saved, wouldn't you be concerned that Jesus is going to be a little upset with us for calling him a liar? If he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but we say, no, you don't have to be baptized to be saved? That's what I would be concerned about. I would be concerned about calling Jesus a liar. And instead of being concerned about these people in the nursing homes that aren't baptized, if they're believers and they're repenting of their sins, I would just baptize them. That would alleviate all the concern. Go ahead and baptize them, immerse them, so they can be saved just like Jesus said. You, Randy, do you remember what Ananias told Saul? 
Saul of Tarsus later became known as Paul, the apostle. He believed on the road to Damascus. You remember Jesus appeared to him miraculously on the road to Damascus. But then do you remember what Ananias told him in Acts twenty two sixteen? Okay. Ananias told him three days after he believed, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's clear that Saul, Paul, the apostle was not, his sins were not washed away when he believed, but the blood of Christ washed Saul's sins away when he was baptized. Ananias told him, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We're going to have to go off the air. We appreciate all the calls. We have two more calls waiting and if you'll just stay on the line i'll try to take your call after the program's over but i got to go off the air if you would like a free one hour phone bible study with me call or text me after the program at 256-682-9753 free one hour phone bible study it's your convenience call or text me at 256-682-9753 thank you for listening tonight